to Dress and Keep, we strive to encourage Christian men and women to build up their homes to the glory of God. You can follow us on Instagram at dress.and.keep for our latest updates. You can support us by sharing the episode and leaving a review. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Gannon Kessler, and usually we are joined by my wife, but today uh, we're joined by a brother in Christ and fellow churchman, Daryl Tillman. Uh, Daryl, why don't you uh, give us the elevator speech on all things Daryl? Just, uh, you know, tell us about yourself. All right. Well, uh, my name is uh, Daryl Tillman. I was born and raised in Tampa, Florida. I was raised in a, a Christian home, I had two other brothers. Went to private Catholic school to high school, which was uh, quite the experience that I, I can never forget. Yeah, um, I'm married. I have three kids. Uh, one's 15, 14, and five. So uh, I kind of pressed the restart button, and yeah. they're all girls. Yeah, you're almost just like me, except on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah, because my kids are all much younger than yours. <laughs> But yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I uh, I'm an Army Warrant Officer. Uh, I'm currently 16 years in and counting. Nice. So hopefully retiring soon. <laughs> uh, traveled quite a bit, and Lord's landed me here in uh, the state of Washington. Uh, overall, I start off uh, being a Church of Christ member. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said before, I, I attended Catholic uh, school for 11 years. Um, I don't currently claim anything but Christian, but uh, at this point, Gannon is trying to convince me to be a Reformed Baptist, so we'll see how that turns out. Uh, but that's me in a nutshell, uh, and I'm uh, sure I'll, I'll bring out some more details as we continue. I wouldn't worry too much. I'm pretty convincing. So <laughs> <laughs> You're on your way whether you, whether you like it or not. But anyway, that's another conversation. <laughs> so today, uh, we're going to be talking about suffering. And um, the, the world is, you know, it's fallen and, and so are we. And yet so many people will ask, you know, they'll ask these similar questions. Um, why do bad things happen to good people is a common one. Or if your God is so loving, why is there so much evil in the world? Or simply why, why is there still suffering? And these are, you know, these are all common questions that you may hear or even a lot of times among Christians, you could hear these questions. And so... I wanted to just start with, you know, um, how does the world view suffering or even more specifically, how does the unbeliever view suffering to get us started? Ooh, okay. Um, that's a tough question to start off with, but uh, I think overall uh, the unbeliever views suffering as a, as a burden and uh, sometimes a source of, of personal strength. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think... I think when a believer sees suffering as a burden, it is something that haunts them, uh, and that 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 it won't go away. Like it's stuck to them. Uh, so right. normally, they look for something to to calm the pain, whether that be uh, getting drunk, taking on drugs, or, or anything else. Um, An unbeliever will tend to look for like vices. Oh yeah, in the suffering. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Um, and then on the the personal strength side, athletes uh, or even soldiers see suffering 
as a personal need, uh, you know, pumps them up uh, right. for strength and, and motivation and, and personal growth. But, I mean, what about you? Um, how, how do you think the unbeliever sees suffering? Well, firstly, I think that the unbeliever sees suffering as something that's just unlucky. You know, they have the attitude, you know, when it rains, it pours. The world or unbelievers see suffering as something that is merely by chance or it's just dumb luck. Essentially, it comes from just the chaos in the world. And secondly, I think unbelievers see suffering as something, you know, that you were alluding to earlier with the soldiers. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It is either something outside yourself that happens by chance. And if it happens, then, you know, then you're supposed to look at it as a means of, you know, self-help or self-promotion. Um, suffering, an agent of chaos from, an, from a universe that's, you know, simply happened by chance. Yeah. And so the unbeliever's issue is that because it is pointless, they have to prescribe their own point to the suffering. Spot on. Which is, you know, just promotion of self. And then if they don't prescribe a point to the suffering, all that's left is simply despair. Yeah, it's... Uh it's almost like there is no purpose. Uh, they just come up with a foundation of their own truth uh, that mm-hmm. will eventually fail. Yeah, so maybe maybe it would be helpful to give a few uh, definitions of, of suffering. Yeah, most definitely. So let's see here. Uh, here are a couple that we, we pulled up here. So from our first source is Wikipedia. So Wikipedia says... Suffering or pain in a broad sense is an experience of unpleasantness and aversion associated with the perception of harm or threat of harm in an individual. It's a basic element that makes up the negative valence of affective phenomena. (laughs) Right. The purpose of suffering is pleasure or happiness. And then our second source here is Merriam-Webster Dictionary. This source defines suffering as the state of, uh, state or, excuse me, experience of one that suffers and and also as pain. It notes that suffering, distress, misery, and agony all mean the state of being in great trouble. And then we have Cambridge Dictionary. According to this dictionary, suffering is physical or mental pain that a person or animal is feeling. It's pretty simple. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then we got dictionary.com. This source describes suffering as a state or an instance of enduring pain, misery, or loss. It can also mean something suffered by a person or a group of people. And then last but not least... Collins English Dictionary. By the way, never heard of it. (laughs) Here, suffering is defined as serious pain, which someone feels in their body or their mind. So I guess my question to you is, uh, any of these sound familiar to you or stand out? Yeah, I would say that it seems like a lot of these definitions focus on someone's personal suffering or suffering that happens from person to person. And then there's, you know, but there's really two types of suffering that we can distinguish, right? Person to person or um, uh, suffering that is a result of natural occurrences. And so all people everywhere are subject to suffering, regardless if they're, you know, Christian or not, whether it be person to person, you know, suffering 
due to living in a fallen world, active suffering or intentionally inflicting suffering on someone else or natural suffering, right? Uh, Suffering due to also living in a fallen world, but it's passive suffering like earthquakes, tidal waves, illness, uh, other things like that, right? It's not, um, it's just something that happens and it's not someone else enacting suffering on you or putting you through pain or anything like that. Yeah, you uh, hit the nail on the head on that one. Uh, When you said all people are subject to suffering. Yep. So uh, suffering is something you are not going to get away from, sounds like. (laughs) Absolutely not. So suffering happens at many levels. Um, What the unbeliever should see in the Christian is why do they suffer well? Mm -hmm. Uh, but, But we will get to that a little later. I know that. So I think... It is hard for the non-believer to truly understand natural suffering because a fallen world is just straight up foreign to them. Yeah, uh, I think hmm, I think they believe earthquakes, famines, hurricanes, whatever else is the, is caused by just random, predictable weather patterns, as if God's hand isn't isn't anywhere at all. Right. Uh, I also believe. Uh, a person, a person, a person is is easier for an unbeliever to understand because it is active, and uh, you can physically see most of the pain caused by suffering. Uh, that that can go as drastic as the Holocaust, or as common as a as a widow or an orphan. Yeah, it's um, you know you mentioned the Holocaust, uh, and there's a Holocaust survivor named Victor Frank. Franklin, who wrote about suffering uh, from a psychological perspective in his book, it's called um, A Man's Search for Meaning, where he argues that finding meaning in suffering is essential to human existence. Um, and then there's uh, Arthur Schopenhauer. I think that's how you that's say it. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Schopenhauer. He's um, a pessimistic philosopher, which articulates suffering as a fundamental characteristic of human life. You know, he believed that uh, desires caused suffering and that minimizing desires was the key to reducing suffering, right? So just minimize your desires and you'll have less suffering, is basically <laughs> what he's saying. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche, that's a popular one. Nietzsche discussed suffering in the context of growth and power. Um, he famously said, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger suggesting that suffering can lead to personal growth and resilience. This is like the, the yep. soldier way. Yeah, the self-promotion way, right? So yep. what doesn't kill me makes me stronger, right, to promote self. That me, me, me concept. Yep. Albert, Albert Camus, uh, he's an existentialist, wrote about the absurdity of life and the suffering that arises when humans seek meaning in an indifferent universe, right? And then, of course, my favorite, that's a joke, <laughs> Sigmund Freud, um, a psychoanalyst, Freud saw suffering as linked to the conflict between our primal desires and social norms. Um, I think it's just I, a side note really to place in here would be that just, you know, everyone should be familiar or I think most everyone's familiar with Sigmund Freud. Most modern psychology comes from Sigmund Freud and even a lot of so-called, you know, Christian counselors have based their counseling practices in Sigmund Freud. But he's... <laughs> far from from a Christian, right? Because as we just read, conflict between our primal desires and social norms. So there's like this, you know, out of our, you know, created, uh, or not created, he wouldn't use that term, but our um, our uh, just hu- human nature, 
our primal desires are like fighting against what society has claimed to be normal. And so it's like there's this conflict, but it doesn't have anything behind it. There's just a there's just a um, a flatness of conflict with Sigmund Freud to a point where, you know, of course, he doesn't prescribe to to God or anything like that. But um, it's just it's a common thing to have a lot of practices that are steeped in in Freud when it comes to counseling. That's really interesting that you you said that a lot of Christians use him. That that makes me kind of sad. Well, it's it, yeah, they just they've adopted practices that that a lot of secular counselors have made popular. Um, and then there's you know there's the couple aspects of suffering that we would want to look at or perspectives. So you have the psychological perspective. Um, suffering is often seen as a natural part of human condition, steaming from our emotions, thoughts, and experiences. Psychological theories might explore how suffering um, arises from unmet needs or trauma or, or mental health issues. And then there's the biological explanation of suffering. Um, so from a biological standpoint, suffering can be seen as a byproduct of this quote-unquote evolutionary process. Pain and suffering may have <laughs> evolved as mechanisms to signal danger or harm, thus promoting survival. Um, so suffering is just, you know, an aspect of, uh, evolutionary process. That's a byproduct of evolutionary process. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then number three, social and economic factors. So socioeconomic factors play a significant role in secular interpretations of suffering. Obviously poverty, inequality, social injustice, that's a big one, are recognized as major causes of suffering in the world. Um, so Suffering is just a social thing and an economic thing. Um, the existentialist viewpoint would be, so the existentialist philosophers, they would view suffering as an inherent aspect of human existence. They argue that life's inherent meaninglessness, mm. that's key there, meaninglessness, inevitability of death create existential suffering. And so there's these, you know, there's these viewpoints that we are, um, we're just pulling out, you know, of the world, we're looking at secular viewpoints and we're just trying to, you know, see what the secular world has to say. And so we want to just compare these a little bit. Um, so the psychological perspective versus the Christian perspective. So, um, the secular perspective, um, when it comes to psychological is suffering is a result of emotional and experiential factors. Psychological theories often say that suffering comes from unmet needs, trauma, or mental health issues, emphasizing circumstances from the individual's past experiences to explain their responses to suffering today. So psychological is like they're looking back in somebody's past and they're, they're blaming all your current sufferings on something that happened in your past. And so it has nothing to do with your sin, of course, it's it's all just past experiences, and you can blame everything that you're currently going through on your past. <laughs> uh, and then the Christian perspective. So if uh, the psychological aspect of suffering from a Christian viewpoint would obviously see this in a spiritual context by way of a test of faith, a means of spiritual growth. And so <laughs> current suffering psychologically for a Christian is a testing of their faith. It's it's a tool that God's going to use to sanctify you, to grow you. And, and this is really what we're trying to do. We're just trying to 
play with, you know, what does the world say and what, what does the Christian viewpoint say? Right. And then there's the biological explanation versus the Christian explanation. So um, secular would say pain and suffering are a result of the evolutionary process, you know, the fight or flight response. And then the Christian would say physical suffering is, excuse me, physical suffering is simply a result of a fallen world due to original sin. Suffering can be and will be present in a fallen biological world. So that's why there will be a new heaven and a new earth, right? In regards to our physical bodies, Christ on the cross not only paid for our sin and redeemed our souls if we believe and trust in him, but he also redeemed our bodies. That is why Christ owns us body and soul because he paid for both on the cross amen to that it's 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 crazy because as you're as you're talking i am quickly remembering being in that catholic school and and you can just think through what we were told what like the fight or flight and all that mm-hmm. and then funny it being a, a a catholic school where we didn't really talk about the Christian aspect of things, I guess. But let me get to the social and economic factors here. So uh, for social and economic, the secular would say uh, poverty, inequality, and uh, social injustice are recognized as major causes of suffering in the world. And then the Christian would say, as we have said this before, suffering doesn't come from anything but Adam's sin in the garden. And it's, a, it's the natural causes of sin. And, and we're seeing that today, all the social factors, social injustice going on, the Black Lives Matters and, and things like that, that yeah. are crushing, crushing the Christians in the church, sadly. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, <laughs> well, obviously it's a misunderstanding of, of usually, usually when it all comes down to, it comes down to it, a misunderstanding of, of really three questions, right? Who is God? Who is man? And what is sin? And if you misunderstand or you don't believe who God, don't believe in God, or you don't know who God is, you don't see him rightly, then you're not going to rightly see who man is mm. because the truth of man is only revealed in the light of who God is. And so I can't understand myself if I don't understand God, is what I'm trying to say. Bingo. And so I have to understand, well, who is God? And then I can understand, well, because God is this, then man must be this. It's that distinction between the creator and the created. And so every, <laughs> every twisting of the truth obviously is going to come back to that distinction that, that man has twisted or they've tried to, um, like I've said earlier, they've tried to flatten things that shouldn't be flattened. They want to flatten the creator and the creation distinction. Um, and so they've taken it and they just think, well, I'm mostly good. Yep. <laughs> so why, why, why is there so much suffering in the world? Why is all of this happening? Why, why, is, um, you know, why is there so much sickness in the world? They ask all these questions. But they ask them because they don't know who God is, right. and they don't understand the sin of man. They, they don't understand that the creation has been uh, distorted, twisted, and it's fallen. And so um, it causes them to ask questions that they don't, they don't actually have an answer for. They just continue to ask the same questions. Uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to... No, 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 you're, you're spot on. I, 
I would only add that the Christians uh, right now, we, we suffer from biblical illiteracy. Um, oh, yeah. Like not understanding truly who God is. And, and that's mm-hmm. why it gets into the church. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll get off our soapbox. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, the last one was the ex- existentialist viewpoint. Uh, so the secular views life as meaningless and the inevitable is death. And mm-hmm. basically there's no purpose. Yep. Uh, but Christians knows that the, they know that their life has great meaning, which is to glorify God in all things. Yeah. Amen. Period. Yeah. So, um, I guess from the top, a, a view of Christian suffering, what, what would you say, what would you say a view of Christian suffering is or, or how do Christians view suffering in a fallen world? Well, first of all, we can't do anything but start at the cross. Yep. So the Christian views suffering as not only the physical suffering of Christ, but also the spiritual implications. Mm-hmm. So with, without the suffering of Christ, we know that there is no gospel. And Christ had to suffer the wrath of God and the beatings were, were gory, but that beating was only temporary. So the true suffering was from the wrath of God, which had eternal effects. Yeah. So you're saying that Christ suffered really in, in two ways. What do you think the significance of that is? Well, yeah, absolutely. Two ways. Because uh, Christ shows us the example of how we will suffer. As a, as a Christian, you will suffer on this earth both physically and spiritually. Um, I don't, I don't want to downplay the, the physical part of the suffering by no means, but we will experience the physical 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by physical is by persecution or, or, or even mental distress. Mm-hmm. Uh, persecution such as like beating or verbal abuse or I mean, even getting killed, mm-hmm. you know. And, and when I say mental distress, I am saying suffering over like the death of a loved one or from, from the wound to, to the elderly or, or from just the anxieties of life. Does, it, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, um, it reminds me. Um, so there's this story of uh, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, well, because we know the scriptures say in John 15, uh, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world, excuse me, remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's John fifteen eighteen through 20. And uh, so there's uh, Jim Elliott goes with his wife to um, be missionaries in the Ecuadorian jungle. And on January 8th, 1956, while trying to make contact with this, um, this remote, you know, Wodani tribe, I think is how you say it, Jim and four others were speared to death. And what's significant about this particular missionary story is actually what his wife did. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Elliott goes back and ministers to the very same tribe that killed her husband for the next two years. You see, the Christian is told that the world will hate you. 
that you will be persecuted because the servant is not greater than the master. We, of course, don't go looking for suffering. No one is more or less holy because of the amount of suffering they go through. But the suffering comes. We have the example of Christ, and we are to suffer well. So then the question becomes, well, how do we suffer well? We suffer well when the suffering points us to Christ, when the suffering doesn't cause us to despair, but increases our reliance on Christ. Exactly. I would say the most sturdy Christians are not the ones who are void of suffering, but the ones who, you know, through the suffering have doubled down on their reliance of Christ. And every time the suffering comes, they're like a stone just smoothed over by the waters of suffering. And this is what it means really to to suffer well. I 100%, 100% agree with you on that. Uh, but but on everybody's mind right now, I bet is is probably that uh, this is an extreme look at suffering. But mm-hmm. what other kinds of suffering, of, of what other kinds of suffering, I guess, do we suffer from? Right. Um, I'm going to start with something that I, some list that I got, but I'm not going to lie, I stole it from uh, Old Vody Bacham. Uh, <laughs> so he he listed off a couple things. So. The first thing was you suffer from, uh, we suffer from our own personal sin. Mm-hmm. So this this one is the the most common understanding that that we have as Christians, uh, because we all understand that every action has a, has a reaction. The problem is we use this for every case of suffering. For example, if you lose a child during pregnancy or or, or lose any family member from cancer or or any other disease. You sit there and think that it's it's from your personal sin automatically, which mm-hmm. which is not the case. Um, n- number two is you suffer from other people's sins against you. Mm-hmm. So for so that example, it's if someone who knows you doesn't doesn't like you at work because you know you you're doing so well at your job, they can sabotage you, which which can cause you to suffer at work daily. Um, yeah, they like gossip about you talk behind your back right you know brown nose to the boss you know they yeah i can see how that would play out and then yeah you just reminded me of something that worked but no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the, the third one is you can suffer from sins through association or representation hmm. so this could be from anybody who represents us such as our president, right. uh, forefathers, or or any other leader. A prime example is we all suffer from the sins of our parents. Uh, we all have sayings or actions that we have formally or informally uh, been taught by our parents that have affected us in in the whole in the long run, and which naturally causes us to sin. Right. So you're saying that the choices of your parents can affect you. Either it was informally taught by your parents' sinful actions, or it was formally taught by what your parents told you to believe or do. Um, Basically, our parents can train our affections toward goodness and righteousness, which can only come from the Lord, or they can train our affections toward the world. Right. Which is just, you know, it's doubling down on, you know, not on Christ or on, on goodness and truth and beauty. It's doubling down on the depravity of man. And what, well, what I would say what you're not saying, what you're not saying is that your parents' sin is your sin. Right. But that your parents' sin can affect you one way or another. And this is suffering by 
association, as you said, or representation. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then there's you suffering from sins because we live in a fallen world. You know, mm-hmm. I think we have hit on this multiple times already. Um, it's just simply a, it's it's just simply a misunderstanding of of sin in a nutshell, right? So there's your own personal sin, as we talked about, right? But then there's but then even creation is fallen, right? And so there's sin not only in us, but all of creation. It even says groans for the return of the sons of God, and we know that um, we know that not only as uh, our hearts uh, deceiving and um, are um, depraved, and um, you know they're deceitful, right? Their hearts are deceitful, right? And and that what what happens in a world when you have a bunch of um, dece- deceitful humans, <laughs> a bunch of deceitful men and women, um, you know, then then you're going to have, you know, suffering and you're going to have, you know, all of these things that, that happen because our our union with God has been broken. It's been broken right. um, from the garden. It was broken with, with Adam. You know, he, he um, was responsible for the garden he was to take care of it he was to as as we say dress and keep the garden he was mm-hmm. that was his responsibility and he and he failed so yeah maybe it wasn't quote unquote adam's fault that, right because he just points it right, says yeah, he says <laughs> he says god this woman that you gave me look what she did you know <laughs> and, and of course god just uh, he yells at adam as right it comes down and just like a, just you know disciplines this adam and you know Anyway, uh, going off on a tangent there, <laughs> but basically it just comes down to a misunderstanding of, of, of sin and, and what it really uh, means to live in a fallen world. Yeah, because I think even me growing up, you know, I didn't realize the, the you know, fallen world, what that truly meant. Mm-hmm. Like fallen world affected everything. Oh, yeah. And, and we just... We, we need to like marinate, let that marinate in our minds because uh, the fallen world is, is big. Yeah, you, you know people misunderstand this because if you ask most people, you, you go, do you think you'd go to heaven? And they go, yeah, I think I would go to heaven. I'm, I'm mostly good, right? I, I think I'm a good person. Right. <laughs> and then you, you, you get to talking to them and, and then they admit that, oh, yeah, I'm a... I'm a liar. Um, I've I've fallen into sexual immorality, mm-hmm. and I've you know, and you just go down the list, and you're like, okay, so uh, you're you said you were a good person, right? And it's a misunderstanding. We're not saying this to you know bash anybody, but it's like if if everybody is simply a good person, mm. then what did Christ need to come for? Exactly. Right. You, you, if you misunderstand the problem, you will misunderstand the solution, which is Christ. Hundred percent agree with that. So Man. anyway, well, yeah, we did go on that one. <laughs> that that hole. All right. So the last way we suffer is because we are engaged in a cosmic and spiritual battle. This is this was my favorite, but. <laughs> <laughs> Because maybe because I'm in the army, but regardless, it's my favorite. Uh, But we will come back to this later, though, because I feel like I have talked enough. (laughs) And uh, but anything come to mind after that breakdown is is there anything you want to add to these? 
Well, um, we don't have to completely wait till later, but I, I would just say in regards to the, you know, cosmic battle, I mean, you, you have to, like I said, understand, understand who God is first, and then you can understand, okay, well, he had to come because of how, how deceitful my heart is, how fallen this world is. He is the only solution, right? He's the only solution to, um, fix this, uh, this broken union, uh, or this, yeah, this broken union with God. And so, um, you know, he, he is the solution, but then there's this still this, this, uh, battle, even if, you know, you are a Christian, you are uh, saved by grace through faith. There is still a battle that is, um, before you, you know, you're, you're warring against your flesh. Hundred percent. Your flesh wants to do these things. Your flesh is still fallen. You are still, um, uh, you are still, um, you know, pointed towards the world in some aspects because you, because you still have a you're living in it. Well, yeah, I mean, your your heart is still deceiving you, right. um, <laughs> and there are still lies that you will tend to believe, um, but uh, you actually can say no to sin. Hundred percent now. And so it's not like, <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, thank you for the down payment of our inheritance. But it's, you know, because of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit has um, fundamentally changed you, you now can actually um, please God. You can actually mm. do something that glorifies God um, versus the way that you were in your own depravity, in your own fallenness. You, you can't. You nope. can't. You couldn't actually please God. You couldn't actually do good that's why it says that you know we've all fallen short of the glory of god we 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 couldn't do anything nope. <laughs> to attribute anything to our salvation right so um if you think at at all that you were um part of your own solution or if you were part of your own salvation you you're you're just wrong um because it i mean you know christ did it all you have no reason to boast. And right. so you have to, you know, you, you have to understand the problem that it actually is a problem, that it actually is a fallen world. Then you can understand the solution, which is Christ. And then Christ was um, the only sufficient and perfect sacrifice. Say that again, please. Christ was only, mm. was only the only sufficient and perfect sacrifice for your sin. There was no other perfect and spotless lamb. So, the only way that you could be justified before God, because God is a just and righteous God, the only way that you could be just, justified before him, was if someone paid the price for you, and that was Christ. Now, now if, <laughs> if you think that you could you know, somehow obey the law of God perfectly, again, you, you're misunderstanding. Or you, you're as, going as back I to say, the, oh, I think I'm mostly good. Corn, yeah. corn fused is, right. the, is the correct term. Right, exactly. So <laughs> I don't want to go on a tangent too, uh, too much, but, um, you know, I mean, there is still a battle, right? That's why you'll say that uh, Christians are simultaneously saints and sinners. And so you're still, you're still warring against your flesh is what yeah. I would say. Um, and then I would add that, you know, we suffer because of our own personal sin and we suffer because we live in a sinful fallen world and maybe a simple or a more simple way to say that is we sin out of our own fallen nature and sinful things happen to us because um, 
we just like we've said many times we live in a, in a fallen world and so that's just a good summary of a more physical side of sin but but what about this the spiritual side as we would say um we've been you know looking at suffering in light of the cross um the physical side of christ's suffering and uh or or i guess i would say the natural the natural suffering that he endured on the cross. But what what about the spiritual side, or a better way to say it would be the supernatural suffering that Christ endured? Um, your reference to the wrath of God is what we're pointing to here. So how did how did Christ suffer supernaturally on the cross? Ooh, that's another good one. Uh, so when it comes to the the supernatural suffering, Christ's suffering had been destined destined since the beginning Mm -hmm. since the beginning so christians know from the old testament that there had to be a propitiatory sacrifice that's a big word there it is careful as you see it was rough (laughs) (laughs) which means that christ's death was to appease the father Mm -hmm. which is why you hear jesus called the lamb of god like you said earlier John the Baptist says in the in the Gospel of John on uh, John chapter one verse twenty nine he says behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world so from Genesis three we have been looking for our Savior from the from this for, from this sinful world mm-hmm. his suffering supernaturally is what allowed us to be saved from God's wrath. Mm-hmm. He suffered the worst supernatural suffering so that we could be redeemed, like you were saying earlier. And as you have said before, the servant is not greater than the master. This part hits home for me because the theology of the church I grew up in personally, it, it didn't speak about this, mm-hmm. what, what we were saved from. It, it didn't say We didn't say anything about what we're saved from. We were just saying, oh, I believe in, I believe in Jesus. Jesus loves me this I know <laughs> you know and, and maybe I missed it you know but when I read the Bible myself it was clear as day that I deserve nothing but God's wrath and I was fearful of that just just reading it in the mm-hmm. in the book I didn't need a preacher to tell me uh, because it showed me that God seeks perfection mm-hmm. okay all right let me get off my soapbox but the supernatural suffering is the pinnacle of our faith yeah it's just it's just like you said the supernatural is um far worse than the natural um right that's to say that you know if christ only suffered naturally then it's possible that another sacrifice could be made right right or that someone else could have been the sufficient sacrifice for our sins right but not only did christ suffer as a man he also suffered as the god man meaning that he is like no one else. He is truly God and truly man. So he also suffered the supernatural punishment of God's wrath, which was the only way to clear our name because we know that God will not clear the guilty. So the wrath that was meant for you and for me was poured out on Christ. Um, Christ drank the cup of wrath that was meant for me and meant for you. Mm. And this is why, like, you know, this is why, like you said, Christ was always going to be the lamb slain. Right. He's the only one who could appease the just wrath of God for our sin. 
No one else could, which exposes our need for him, right? Christ says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Mm. That, that is, I love hearing that because uh, coming from a Catholic school, that is important. Mm. No one comes to the Father, God, yep. except through me, Jesus. The Son. Yep. The Son. Mm-hmm. So I guess now that we understand the necessity of Christ's suffering, I guess the question I have for you is how can the Christians suffer well when dealing with natural and supernatural suffering? Um, so I, I, I pulled up Hebrews 12, um, and starting at verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Christ, in his crucifixion, had a joy that was before him. He endured the cross, as the text says, for the joy that was set before him. Christ went to the cross for us. We are that joy. Christ went to the cross for his people. So when you are suffering and you're struggling in this side of heaven the christian will persevere not because they're you know strong or what you know what doesn't kill you makes you stronger or (laughs) or because they are simply you know mind over matter right the christian will persevere in suffering and trials because christ is our joy he is now seated at the right hand of god the father we truly deal with you know any form of suffering with the joy that is set before us which is christ and this isn't simply, you know, suffering because, you know, when we die, we get to go to heaven, right? We're not saying just <laughs> persevere because of heaven. Yes, we go to heaven and is our inheritance, as it says in Ephesians, but even the promise of heaven is less than the joy of knowing Christ. Or another way to say it is that heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. Mm. So the Christian endures suffering by looking back at the cross, knowing Christ went willingly for us, and looking forward to the day when he that when we will you know stand before the throne of grace mm. and every sin will be brought to light and every sinful thought and action is read before us and then when you get down to the end of that massive list there'll be a but at the end <laughs> it'll say but you have believed on the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world welcome good and faithful servant and we see jesus face to face can i can i say one thing yeah go ahead you 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 hit something for me. Uh, growing up, there were so many of us who wanted to go to heaven mm-hmm. because we didn't want to go to hell. Right. And it's it's it blows my mind how the Holy Spirit has changed so many hearts mm-hmm. to look at not even worried about heaven or hell, just worried about being there with the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. Like that's just what you look forward to. Yeah. Like no, no more of the, you know. I, I just, I'm just afraid. Like no, I, I just want to see Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's pretty common. I think, um, you know, initially, you know, there's this, there could be this fear of hell where you come, where you come to Christ, 
you know, it's a true conversion, but you're, you're in that conversion, you're fearing hell. And like, right. that's, I think that's totally legitimate, but what you're going to find as you continue to grow and, in, in godliness and sanctification, that the fear of hell is, is not the proper motivation for the mm. Christian. Bingo. Only Christ is right. And so h- how do you, how do you persevere through suffering when you're improperly motivated? You don't, mm. you, you, <laughs> That's spot on, dude. <laughs> because, because we know that 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 heaven and hell are still a created thing. When you people misunderstand this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's people like who created heaven? Well, God created heaven. Well, who created hell? Newsflash, right? So <laughs> they miss again. They misunderstand the the creature and the creator distinction. Right. Right. Don't don't place your hope in the created. Right. Right. <laughs> don't place your fear. In the created, right? The beginning of all wisdom is fear is fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're going to fear something, fear him, right? And so this, again, it's <laughs> we're talking about how do, you, how do you persevere through suffering? That's what we're talking about. And you're not going to persevere if you're placing your, you know, hope in the reward of heaven. Yep. Okay? Now, you, you will get that reward. Amen. Praise God. Like we don't forget the hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're not we're not saying that you won't, but but we're saying your motivation is misplaced, right? Right. And so uh, in James one two through four, it says, "Count it all joy." And this is this is a very popular text, right? But it says, "Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking." In nothing, and this is why you can you can you actually can count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, because Christ is your joy, mm. Christ is your hope. That's what you're placing your hope in through the suffering. Again, it's misplaced if it's simply a fear of hell or the promise of heaven, right? Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't have said it better myself. Um, your verses remind me of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter one, verses three through seven, and, and Paul. Let me pull this up. Paul says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, mm-hmm. who comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in in any affliction." with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Amen. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Now that, that is a powerful scripture. So what I, what I don't want uh, the listeners to think is that we are just talking with words. Uh, so I'm going to shed some light on some personal stuff uh, that shows how I've personally been able to suffer well, mm-hmm. knowing that the only way I was able to get through it 
was because God's hand. Amen. So here we go. <laughs> so two, so last two years, it's just, it's just been crazy for mm-hmm. my family. So we were hit pretty, pretty hard uh, overall. So we have had to deal with burying our youngest daughter uh, mm-hmm. after a month and two days of uh, fighting with, uh, she, she had a congenital diaphra- diaphragmatic hernia. Mm-hmm hard to say oh yeah (laughs) and then having my wife go down with a stroke the year after and and by the way uh in the between those two i was uh pcsing which means moving from one duty station in san antonio to to washington state in -hmm. between so these were two rough situations that would affect any person even if they gave their life to christ Mm -hmm. Let, let me start with that um I have seen many walk away from the faith from losing just losing a child alone. They think, how can a just and loving God do such uh, do such a thing? Yep. Um, well, let me share with you what I, I, I preached at, at my daughter's funeral. Uh, so here, here's the beginning of, of what I said. It said, it is a good day, regardless of the fact that we are in mourning of our beautiful daughter, Ziana. My family knows as Christians, everything God does is good. Amen. Many times we are blind to the blessing in the storm. She was only on earth for a month and two days, yet she accomplished many things. She influenced the nurse to go back to doing ECMO, which is the machine she had to use it to stay alive, which is the bypass she was on. She influenced my side of the family to come closer in prayer. She influenced her mother and father to a prayer life they, they've never seen before. Hmm. She did not, I say she denied death, but God saved her from death when she was taken off of the ECMO machine because uh, she had some complications, so they had to take her off and then put her back on. And then uh, she even brought us together this very day to show you God's glory in all of this. Yeah, amen. So what a blessing my baby girl was Mm -hmm. her vessel may be here beside me but she is not here i told many of you that i am even a little jealous because i can't wait to be with my lord and savior she is here to help each and every one of us understand that this world is not capital not our home and we are just passing through Mm -hmm. this is a wake-up call to all of us and yes you probably thought to yourself he shouldn't have to bury his daughter, but I know and understand why death is like this. This is nothing unknown to me. This has been told to us Christians since Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible. Once sin was brought into the world, everything went bad, and the bad isn't just for those who do evil, but for those who turn their life to Christ as well. Many Christians want to exclude this fact. But we are called to suffer just as Christ did, which is what I read in the beginning. Many say that the Tillman family is strong, but is not our own strength. We have grown stronger because of the trials that we have been through. We don't run away in this family. We run towards the pain, knowing that God has a plan. And today his plan included our growth in our faith, end quote. So I share all that to say. Mm. suffer well means to give God the glory through it 
and to count it all joy. This is something I think us Christians don't talk enough about personally. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, uh, you know, what about you, but like I hardly heard this growing up. What about you? Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, you're giving me a hard time, man. Choking up over here. Okay. Well, it just, it, I guess it just brings me back to the question, you know, at the beginning, why, why does God allow suffering in this world? You know, I can't, I can't imagine the loss of a child. It doesn't, it doesn't really register in my mind the pain that would come from, from suffering through that. And, you know, this is why it's just so important to understand that, that God created the world good and that man fell, mm. right? It's the sin of man that's, you know, rotting us from the inside. It's destroying everything. And then, of course, death falls on all men. Right. You know, suffering is a result of original sin. And if we don't have Christ in mind in the midst of all of it, we'll just succumb to our own despair. You know, Christ is sufficient rest even in the midst of suffering, even in the middle of it. Mm. You know, he is where you will find rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is probably one of the most encouraging texts that, you know, I, I can personally pull up um, that comes to mind um, because it's been encouraging for me many times. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the, the text is saying, yoke yourself to Christ. Right. Take on his yoke because it's only through him, right, that the burden is light. He is not a burden. <laughs> Take your, because the, that the text is saying it's talking about a yoke, what you use to put two animals together. Right. Right. You can't do this on your own. The world tries to do things separate from the creator, mm. right? And they fail, and they fail, Every and time. they fail, right? So what is he saying? He's saying, yoke yourself to me because my burden is easy, or my burden is light, right? And then look what, look what you can do, right? It's not, this isn't a prosperity. This isn't, this isn't any of that. This is saying, this is saying, Increase your dependence on Christ right. by yoking yourself to Him, right? And suffering is just a part of living in this fallen world. As we said many, many times, you know, Christ is telling us to take that yoke, take it upon us to make it through the suffering, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. We can, we can find rest in Him. He is our joy. We are to give Him the glory, especially, especially when it's hard. And you see, you know, you you see to the to Christ in the suffering. You're supposed to see him through it. Right. You know, the love of, the joy of, the hope of Christ doesn't wither. It magnifies. It magnifies your love, joy, and hope in Christ. Right? That through the suffering, it will increase. You want to rely on him more, not less. Exactly. And it reminded me, too, this is, uh, this is why if you, if you ask any Christian, any, any Christian who knows me, who's met me, and, and you're like, what does Daryl love most? Yeah. And I, they will always respond with, he loves to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason for that is it's found in this text. Like this, this is the epitome of my life in Christ. Mm. It's, it's in Romans. It's chapter five, verses uh, one through five. And 
and it reads, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out, sorry, has been poured into our hearts <laughs> through the Holy Spirit who has given, a, given to us, who has been given to us. I think this should be an anthem for each and every Christian around the world. Uh, but, all right, Gannon, I'll, I'll hand it back to you because I think this scripture is, is it's just key to all. And um, I've been talking about uh, about this all day. So it's, it's back to you. <laughs> yeah, I would just, I would, it's, I mean, it's a really good text. And I, I would want to focus really on just on verse two where it says, you know, where we stand. Mm. We stand in his grace and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then it says, our hope will not put us to shame. Suffering with purpose and suffering well is to magnify the name of Christ through the suffering, to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Amen. And we will, we will suffer, right? We, we will be persecuted, but the servant is not greater than his master. Mm. So we know that suffering will come. Suffering, suffering came to Christ on the cross and he went willingly. And that's right. what it means to, to say that, you know, the servant is not greater than his master. And so we're called to suffer and suffer well, not for our own name, not for our own glory, mm. but for his, to make the name of Christ great among all the nations, right? We don't go through suffering because we desire it, because we chase it, because we want it. Right. Suffering happens, and we say, Christ is Lord. And tomorrow he'll be Lord, and the day after that, and the day after that. You know, as the text in John says, he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Mm. Right? Exactly. And he is mediating for you and for me. Each one of us, yeah. individually. Yeah. And so, the, you know, this, this, is the, this is really the hope that we want to point you to, that, that, you know, as Christians, you don't suffer... Um, arbitrarily you don't suffer you know by happenstance um suffering comes and it's honestly by god's grace mm. suffering is god's grace not not because not because it's um you know we payback. have pay, exactly <laughs> not because it's payback but because he knows that the best thing for you is him amen to and, that and so he's going to use the suffering to turn your heart towards him, to grow in, in, in sanctification, to grow in Christ-likeness. Mm. So, you know, you have suffering with purpose is what we want to say. You have suffering with purpose, and you're called to suffer well, to bring glory to the name of Christ. So, uh, I, you know, I, I just want to say I hope that this, that this episode was encouraging to you. I hope that... Um, you know, you learn something through it, through it, and that uh, that ultimately you you can see that you know there will be those times when you question, right? 
you're going to question why do these things happen? You know, why is suffering taking place? Why do bad things happen to good people? And uh, the answer is that you live in a fallen world, but you have hope. That's that's the answer. You got anything to add before we close? No, I just uh, honestly want to thank you for for allowing me to get on here uh, and be able to speak a couple words. It's uh, very interesting. This is my first time doing this podcast thing. Yeah, no, it, it was good, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking taking the time. And uh, um, you know, until next time, I'm Justin Keith.